1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane.
2: And I'm Kevin Greenlee.
3: And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers Kevin, what did we watch?
2: Well, Anya, we just watched the 1944 classic Sherlock Holmes film with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, entitled...
3: Perennial Favorites.
2: No, the name of it was The Pearl of Death.
3: <laughs> based on the Conan Doyle story, uh, Adventure of the Six Napoleons.
2: And based is... <laughs> It's, it's very, very, very loosely based. Yeah. Because my recollection is that story didn't have Rondo Hatton in it.
3: No, no, it did not. Or so much murder. Or Holmes fucking everything up. <laughs> Causing the death of innocents.
2: You're so evil. I'm not. I'm Holmes. Gonna... Innocent people died because of Holmes, and you're laughing. You're, you're like you're like you're like fucking Lestrade. You're taking pleasure. It doesn't matter that innocent people died as long as is Holmes gets his comeuppance. Heaven,
3: it's not. You're a... taking
2: pleasure in the death of innocent. They're people. They're not real well, people. There was an old lady. Jesus Christ, they're not real. The sister was broken. But that. that oh, <laughs> this,
1: this is who I, I married.
3: This movie broke you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh god this was a great one I'm not gonna lie this was amazing and I loved this movie so much this ha- this was the one of the goofiest things I've seen recently while also being very entertaining other Holmes movies like Pursuit to Algiers there's lots of goofiness but it's like done in a way that just grates on your nerves and you just are like get me out of here this one it's it's hitting all the right
2: notes because what you, you've you explained this to me is that what you want to see in a Holmes movie is you want to see action grind completely to a halt yeah. so you can see Dr. Watson struggle to glue things into a scrapbook. Into a
3: scrapbook. That, that <laughs>
2: happens in this movie. And you were on the floor. You
3: know why I was on the floor, Kevin? Because when... Nigel Bruce's Dr. Watson accidentally gets a newspaper clipping glued to his sleeve and then can't find it and thinks it's disappeared and is walking around all befuddled. You know what I thought? That was you. I thought that that was a fucking Kevin move. (laughs) I could see you. Oh, 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 here it is. That's you. That's what you do every day. Versions of that.
2: Actually, it's it's eerie. I'm very similar to Dr. Watson, and you're always making mistakes that result in people dying no I'm not. so you're the Sherlock Holmes of this duo
3: oh Jesus <laughs> this movie was so funny. I loved it I really loved it uh let's let's go over what this is about <laughs> other than a scrapbook mess that that there's there, that scene went on for hours and also it has Nigel Bruce like laughing chuckling to himself oh you know and, and talking oh I'm'm I'm good at deduction and it's like I just <laughs> They just they'll just throw anything in these things. They'll just throw anything. That was the that was the like less dark version of Nigel Bruce in House of Fear walking around with a gun shooting at a cat in a darkened room while freaking out because he hears noises.
2: yeah, it's interesting how much time-filling nonsense is in these when they're only about an hour long.
3: He, yeah, it's, the filler is is basically the whole experience. <laughs> they're not interesting mysteries at all. It's just like, it's always like X bad guy. Oh, Holmes says he's always a bad guy, wants to do X crime. And then a bunch of people usually get murdered and then they, they figure it out eventually.
2: Yeah, and, and the bad guy is always, if not Moriarty, basically Moriarty under a different name. So this, this time they were, oh, there's this guy. If I get him, you know, if it costs me my life. I will have lived blah 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 and there's some guy we never heard of like Giles Conavoy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, of course, the they they are trying to get the spark back with the Moriarty cuz like it's more interesting to have Holmes go up against someone who's his intellectual equal than just like some random fucking guy who robs banks or something. But
2: uh, or some guy that tries to kill people with a snake and then the people's last words are not, oh, I was bitten by a snake. <laughs> Instead, they say it was the band. It was the speckled band. Wouldn't you say, oh, my God, I was bitten by a snake. There's
3: fucking snakes up in this bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who would call a snake a band?
3: I I think you're looking at her. Right now. Do you want to tell them what I said about... A certain animal looking out in the countryside.
2: Oh yes, there were there was an occasion recently where we were visiting a a dear friend at his home. He lives out in the country. Uh, and you were gazing out at the landscape before us, and in there in the distance, there was a horse grazing, enjoying the sunshine. And you pointed to the horse (laughs) and you said, look, Kevin, it's a, and then you paused (laughs) because you wanted to find just the right word (laughs) because you're a storyteller at heart. You said, look, Kevin, it's a dog.
3: (laughs) And then it was more embarrassing because then I immediately, it was a dog, a horse. (laughs) There's no dignity left for me in there. I'm just saying. That that ship
2: has sailed long ago with you. I
3: know, it really has. But I'm saying, I'm telling you that I could see myself being very upset about being bitten by a snake and dying and saying the wrong thing.
2: Yeah, I could see that too. That if you ever get killed and I'm around near enough for you to leave a cryptic dying clue, I'm just going to be really frustrated and pissed off.
3: Oh, sorry. um, I guess those will be the predominant emotions that you'll be feeling with your wife dead on the floor. How inconvenient. (laughs) How am I going to figure out this one? How am I going to sleuth it? Go fuck yourself.
2: You say the plumbing leaks or something like that, and I'll just be baffled, and you won't have helped anyone.
3: (laughs) Well, you won't have helped me by avenging my death, so that's on you.
2: Kevin, it is the Scarlet Spotted Wolf.
3: That's just Lanny, our dog, covered in blood. (laughs) Case closed. (laughs) She's finally snapped.
2: So are you predicting now on the podcast that you will ultimately meet your end because Lanny will kill you?
3: I think Lanny could kill one of us. If we, if she took us unawares, if we were like lying down petting her and she just bit our throats. And then the It'd other probably one. probably be you. Yeah, because I'm more affectionate with her and I r- wrestle around with her.
2: And Lanny knows to steer clear of me. She has respect for me.
3: Makes it seem like you're being mean to our dog. No, no. Lenny knows not to fuck with me.
2: <laughs> I'm not the one saying my dog is gonna kill me. What I'm kind de- of a what kind of, of paranoid? The- what kind of a paranoid <laughs> lunatic fears that their little poodle will kill them?
3: She's a she's a big ass dog. She's a pit bull, folks.
2: She's a little sweetheart.
3: She's a toughie. and also. <laughs> He, my dog knows not to mess with me. Like, that makes it sound like you guys have some sort of history of violence with one another.
2: We respect one another.
3: Yeah, after all those fisticuffs early on. <laughs> Lanny's a very good girl. She's not going to kill either one of us. But when you said Scarlet Spotted Wolf, then there's only, there's only one canine animal in this household. And it's it's our dog.
2: Now, don't you think my dying clue would be clear and concise and helpful?
3: No, because it would probably be like something like, I ate too much pixie sticks and then (laughs) some dumb shit like that. It wouldn't be a murder. It would just be your own bad choices. You're like, you've said this. You've said this yourself. President Zachary Taylor died after eating too much, too many strawberries and cherries. Cherries. I'm sorry. Cherries. Too many cherries and a big old glass of milk. He was like sick for days and then died. That's you. That's a Kevin move. (laughs) So I wouldn't have to figure anything out. I'd just see all the wrappers of candy on the floor and deduce it.
2: If you died like a president, I think you'd William Henry Harrison it.
3: Oh, yeah. I, 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 that, that's,
2: you, you, you say, yeah. oh, it's not cold. I don't need a coat. Yeah. You'd walk out, get sick.
3: I, that is 100% me.
2: <laughs> you like to go outside first thing in the morning. No coat. And all yeah, and, and just carrying like a cup of coffee. I'm wearing like
3: clothes though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this is taking on a very different.
2: Well, you always have your cup of coffee with you when you walk about.
3: Or my tea, it's or obvious, your tea, depending on my mood. You know, I gotta, I gotta. Usually,
2: you wear like a house coat. Have your hair up in curlers.
3: No, I don't. That's you. <laughs> you're the one with delightfully bouncy locks.
2: <laughs> You're quite well known in the neighborhood. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you had two presidents who died in embarrassing ways. That's crazy. Not wearing a coat. I could see myself doing that. I've done that before. Yeah. But you know, I don't... Sometimes I just don't want to wear one. Sometimes you want to eat your big bowl of cherries.
2: <laughs> got That's that se- life! <laughs> You've got that self-destructive urge. I'm very
3: tolerant of the cold. Catching me two weeks later, dead. <laughs> no, I am.
2: If, if the temperature in this house gets below 75 degrees, you, like, get a blanket and say, Kevin, turn up the heat. A little Miss cold tolerance.
3: That's because in my house, I want to feel warm and comfortable. I'm not going to make demands of Mother Nature to turn on the heat. I can deal with it. I'm out in her territory. Okay, anyways. This so be... as
2: soon as this movie began. Oh,
3: my God.
2: You let out a cry and said, oh, my God, I have to make note of this unremarkable feature of the film.
3: Okay, it's unremarkable, but the literal opening shot looks like it was filmed on, like, whatever the 1940s equivalent of an iPhone, like an early edition iPhone was. Just this, like, weird zoomed in, almost pixelated looking shot of a boat splashing in water. And I just thought it was delightful. Cause it looked like something we could do. Um, and you have this guy on this the ship. whole movie.
2: looks like something we, could <laughs> do. I
3: know there's
2: no effect in here that makes you say, I can't do that, but
3: it's delightful. I don't want to, I and don't want to frankly, wanna, yeah.
2: you could do better.
3: Yeah, we could do better. <laughs> I just feel so sorry for Basil Rathbone because he's a really good Sherlock Holmes. And he never really like these movies are fun and we love them. And we're not saying we don't, and like I love that they exist and that they're as zany as they are. But I feel like he would have really been able to sink his teeth into like a well-written home script and really knock it out of the park. But he had to like deal with all this like 1940s film conventions and bullshit that was going on. You know, like we gotta have a zany thing with Doctor Watson. You know, slipping uh, down. You know, g- going down a hill in the in the snow on a little tugabog and out of control. I mean, like a
2: tugabog.
3: I- tugabog. Tug a
2: <laughs> toboggan?
3: Toboggan? whatever.
2: <laughs> so tug a bug? That sounds like a euphemism <laughs> for something that we shouldn't be discussing.
3: Y- your mind really stretched to get there. <laughs> but anyway, tug a bug. Tug the thing like a sled. Toboggan. Oh, you're a, you're just a snow sporter then. I grew up in Indiana. Oh please. <laughs>
2: Many a wintry afternoon, I'd go out on the hill with my sled and have a fine What are you? Time. What
3: are you Charles Foster Kane all of a sudden?
2: <laughs> did you yeah. go? Did you go sledding?
3: I went sledding. Yeah.
2: Where, where? Where would a New York woman in the middle of the big city? Where'd you I go? I wasn't sledding? in
3: the middle of the big city. Yeah, I'd slide slide down. Slide down the
2: Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, we had a, like when when we, I was a kid who had lived in townhouses and there was like a driveway that was a hill, so we just go down that.
1: So you
2: slide simple. down the driveway
3: slide down the driveway.
2: just simple Westchester folks
3: exactly <laughs> 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 <sighs> so. Anyways, what the fuck were we talking about? The, okay, these movies are delightful. Basil Rathbone, I feel like got kind of ripped off. I feel bad for him because you always see him trying to, you know, do something in these, and it's this the silliness is too much. But uh, this one, in this case, the silliness really works. So basically, it starts off: dude on a ship has a big ass pearl, the Borgia pearl. It's very fancy and historic. Mysterious woman is talking to this, uh, you know, steals it and then starts talking to this old guy. And you immediately know, based on how he looks and how he sounds, that it's Basil Rathbone. And I've noticed in these films, he always is disguised as somebody, but always does the same, like, slightly nasally voice. of like, oh, hello, I'm, um, you know, <laughs> I'm just a little, uh, you know, Anglican minister. And it's, like <laughs> I love that. He has the same disguise, like, every time except for that one racist one and secret weapon that was
2: what was that one? Refresh my memory. I don't know
3: you basically wore brown face so that was very unfortunate it, It's always you know like you're enjoying a silly movie from the 40s and then it's just like some really horrific shit comes up and you're like, what is this?
2: It's like the Nancy Drew phenomenon.
3: Yeah yeah you're like Ugh, I, like I don't I don't know if I want to watch this anymore now like it just sours sours everything. But in this one, he's just a, he basically uh, agrees to be a drug mule for this woman by you know taking her quote unquote undeveloped film through customs because they're not going to search a minister. That makes a lot of sense. And then, um, you know, you you admired some of the
2: so I don't under I don't understand Holmes's plan here. Yeah. So Holmes has disguised himself is a retired clergyman, and he's apparently on this ship to help safeguard uh, a small pearl. uh, The pearl of death, if you will. And so, as he is pretending to sleep, he watches a woman go and steal the pearl. And then the woman comes and sits down next to him, just as they're about to leave the boat. So how does Holmes know? Well, she's definitely going to ask me to carry the pearl for her. He doesn't. So if she doesn't, does he just say, "Well, so long"? I guess I failed. Or does he, what is? I mean, what's his backup plan?
3: A pickpocketer? I don't know. He's a gentleman. I, 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 I mean, I don't. So know. I don't
2: understand the plan.
3: Seems like a very.
2: But then again, plan. Holmes does a lot of things in this film.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's not on his A game. I don't
2: understand.
3: He's not on his A game in this film at all. This was... Most of these films, you're like, at least like, okay, well, even if the plot is stupid, he's he's doing things in, in a way... And other people are fucking up. Like, Watson's letting in people who are obviously disguised Nazis and telling them everything. In this case, actually, Holmes is the bungler, so it's kind of a weird role reversal.
2: Holmes causes the deaths of innocents. Holmes so, gets
3: multiple people murdered brutally in their own homes.
2: That's Holmes with no.
3: Yeah, I wasn't trying to make a joke there. I just that adds to the horror. Like, the, there's like these are home invasion murders. That's awful.
2: The, and these were the things you were chortling about earlier. It's not. <laughs>
3: it's not well, a Oh, they must have
2: really suffered, haven't they? Ha ha ha.
3: Sometimes people laugh when they're nervous. Sometimes people laugh when they don't know what to say about things.
1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash pods. That's p-h-i-l-o dot slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
2: So she gives him the pearl to uh, smuggle for her. He doesn't return it to her. Instead, uh, he takes it inexplicably. Uh, Bizarrely, he takes the pearl home with him. He doesn't take it to authorities. He doesn't take it to the proper owners. He doesn't take it to whoever hired him to do that. Who did hire him to go on this ship? The
3: museum? That that
2: owns the pearl? So why... If you're hiring Sherlock Holmes to be a bodyguard... This
3: is, like, the, this is like the billionth time he was hired, essentially, as a bodyguard, instead of as a detective.
2: Why wouldn't you tell the person who's actually carrying the pearl? By the way, you don't have to worry Sherlock Holmes is here.
3: Also, why not just lock yourself in the fuck... If you're the guy who... He basically gets called away, like, Excuse me, Mr. Pearl Guard, you have a message from your mom. And, like, he, like, goes downstairs, oh, there's nothing, and then comes... Like, just don't go out!
2: And also, if you're hiring Sherlock Holmes, he's not known as being like a Kevin Costner-esque bodyguard. He's known for being a detective. So you're hiring the reputation. So why don't you want everybody to know Sherlock Holmes is here guarding this? To scare them off. You're not hiring him to play little costume games and dress up as an old minister. Yeah, I mean, some people might hire him for that so it does it is, it
3: is, i feel like sh- this is an episode where sherlock is really overthinking a lot of things because my you know my advice my security advice would just be just stay in your room and have
0: a gun <laughs> and,
2: then, and then he if, if he's he's actually watching this woman go into the room with the pearl why doesn't he just say don't go in there i'm watching you he lets her go in he lets her take it
3: Oh, yeah. I
2: think he has, uh, uh, I think it's what people feared was going on in Atlanta uh, with the, the guard being a hero stopping the bombing. Combs wants to be the big hero. He wants to let the catastrophe happen, let other people be humiliated and say, oh, guess what, everybody? I have the pearl all along.
3: Wow, that's pretty dark.
2: You disagree?
3: I d- I. D- I don't know. <laughs> I love th- I love this series. I don't want to psycho idol- I mean, you said before that he hangs out with this Nigel Bruce Watson because he wants to feel smarter than him. A-, a smart person surrounding himself with dumb asses to be like. That's why I married you. <laughs> now, you've said on multiple occasions that I'm the smarter one of the pair.
2: That is true. So that's why you married me.
3: <laughs> I, we, I included that in our vows. <laughs>
2: So then he takes the uh, the pearl home with him, and I got a bit of a surprise hanging. He walks into his uh, his apartment that he shares with his friend uh, Doctor Watson, and what is hanging on his wall in a yeah, prominent <laughs> this place? This is
3: weird. A portrait of what looked like a young Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. What was that all about? What? Unpack that for us
2: you 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 associate uh, Abraham Lincoln
3: with America first yeah. of all i don't know it's so weird uh, all i could think of was it, the sign of the four pips i think it was called was one of the sh- Holmes short stories that arthur conan doyle wrote and it was uh it involved the machinations of the kkk of, of course you know that in these in this series it's Set in the 40s, it's set contemporary to the films. So back then it would have been not so long ago that Lincoln was assassinated. But I don't know. It's
2: such to be quite a long time ago. It'd be like you're watching uh, a Mike Hammer film set in the 2020s. Uh, Mike Hammer, this tough guy, big city detective. And you go into his office and there is a big picture of Winston Churchill.
3: I I lo I loved it. I don't understand it, but I respect it.
2: You, you 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 love the character. Tell me, in your understanding, what made Holmes hang this up?
3: I mean, he was a brilliant politician and leader, greatest American president. Maybe it, World War Two. Uh, at this point, I don't know when the fi- if the film was released. You know. It was a forty-four film, right?
2: So the yeah. war's still ongoing. Still ongoing.
3: So maybe it's just a nice gesture. In okay, so he went to Wash. When did okay? When did Sherlock Holmes go to Washington? Maybe he got the portrait of Abraham Lincoln in Washington, and this is like a kind of a throwback to like yeah, my my time spent.
2: Sure. You know, if I go and visit somebody, family or whatever, who live in another part of the country, and they give me some shitty gift. I'll say, oh, this is very nice. I don't take it home and hang it up on the wall. You
3: literally own a bust of Lincoln. What are you so pressed about? I'm not Sherlock Holmes. So forty-three, the year before he went to he went to Washington, he had all these adventures, and then he, he uh he you know, spoke rapturously about how wonderful Washington was and oh look, it's the the monuments and the sites and the city and the great pinnacle of American democracy. Britain's true friend and comrade throughout the war and we'll stand together. So obviously he went to a gift shop somewhere in there and bought a portrait of Abraham Lincoln cuz maybe he was like he's the least uh problematic US president so I can I can support this. I think that could be true. It's a nice uh, it's a nice little callback to uh, one of the previous movies in the series.
2: Okay, nice Wouldn't that have been
3: great if they had, like, little mementos from all the ones? Like, you had that and then maybe, like, something from Switzerland for the secret weapon thing or uh, a, a ticket stub to Algiers for the Algiers one. But they never actually went to Algiers. They just were on a boat the whole time. But, you know... I don't know. I think it's some really clever filmmaking. I'm obviously being sarcastic. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand
2: either. You were nodding and scratching your chin and saying it was very deep.
3: Very deep. Very Ah, yes, of course. That's cinema. I I loved it though. I'd I would i i I'd like to think it was just a just a happy coincidence from the uh, previous film. Maybe maybe they wanted to, in, in fairness to the filmmakers, maybe they wanted to kind of be like, American, Britain, friends, 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 World War II is going on.
2: Or perhaps it's a very cheap and shitty, low budget film, and they just had a set that was already uh, decorated for some other film, and they just said, oh, let's just go ahead and film here.
3: <laughs> Don't touch anything. We got to start rolling now.
2: <laughs> so he's, he's he has the pearl, he's, he's underneath the picture of young Abe Lincoln. And someone starts coming up the steps. No, yeah. Comically slowly in a way that's supposed to be menacing. This person is moving at a glacial pace. Yeah. But he's not trying to make his step sound quiet. So that's an odd combination. The, 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 the bad guy, who, who we think he's a bad guy, he's coming. He's coming slowly but surely. But he's being loud. And so Holmes says, oh my God, I'm going to pull a gun. And you, Watson, hide the pearl.
3: So what folks do you think that Dr. Watson did with this pearl? Did he like put it up his sleeve, put it in his pocket, hide it behind one of the myriad books on the bookshelves in the room?
2: Perhaps put it behind the picture of Abraham Lincoln? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Did he hide it in the fireplace? Did he put it in a cup? Did he put it in the cupboards? Or did he pop it in his fucking mouth like a fucking jawbreaker?
2: At which point you were worried he would swallow it.
3: Yeah, and there would be a whole other set of concerns then.
2: We wouldn't get it back until it made its way through his bowels.
3: Precisely, Kevin.
2: That would have been unpleasant in many respects.
3: Yeah, we're screaming. He's looking like he's about to swallow it. It's a disturbing scene, to say the least. And also one that gets repeated later on. <laughs> they love this. They they, they love this. They thought they, they, this was the funniest shit. Oh, big gumball.
2: <laughs> that was a great piece of business.
3: They really love this.
2: Then the door opens. Because obviously, anytime someone is going to come and menace you, they're going to knock and be very respectful. It's Lestrade. <laughs> Duh. So why was Lestrade moving so slowly? They almost shot
3: Lestrade. I don't know, he's a world-weary London detective. He's got a lot on his mind.
2: Every other time during the movie, he moves at a normal pace. Maybe
3: he wanted to freak them out. He kind of is a jerk in this one. He keeps on joking about stuff he shouldn't joke about.
2: So then once they see that it's just Lestrade, lovable Lestrade, Mm -hmm. scampish Lestrade, who, say what you will about his behavior in this film, it did not result in a single death. Right. Uh, Watson takes the pearl... Out of his mouth, the pearl sodden with his own saliva. Takes on
3: a new meaning during times of the pandemic, right? (laughs) Yes. Disgusting.
2: And he offers this wet pearl from his lips to Lestrade.
3: If I were Lestrade, I think that's the moment I walk out of 22B Baker Street, go straight down to the sergeant's desk, put my gun on the desk, put my badge on the desk, and walk the fuck out. I'm done. I'm fucking done with this clown show. I'm done. This is not how policing is supposed to work.
2: That kind of hurts my feelings because uh, that's how I gave you the engagement ring. And you loved it. (laughs) I had someone else pointing a gun at you. And then I took the ring out of my mouth, and
3: you were you were scared because I stomped up the stairs <laughs> to come get you. You thought it was someone else. It's a situation where I will say that Lestrade does kills uh, get some people killed in this movie. Really, so you're, you're incorrect. Yeah, he fails. Well, he fails in some key ways.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll
3: talk about that later.
2: Well, let's get to Holmes's failure first.
3: Well, let's talk about his negative attitude because I think it all stems from that. You know, Holmes is fresh off all these victories, he's fought the Nazis, he's fought the other Nazis, he fought some bank robbers or whatever the fuck, murderers, whatever. This one, it's almost like he's cocky. He's coming into this museum to give them the pearl and being like, fuck this pearl, this pearl fucking sucks, people have been dying over it, people have been killing each other over it, I think we should fucking throw it back in the ocean, Titanic style. Which kind of conjures to mind some bizarre situation where Nigel Bruce is on a boat saying, it's been 81 years and... Dropping the uh, pearl into the water while Celine Dion plays. But anyways, they get they get there. Holmes is just this cocky, pissed off son of a bitch, and you're like, "What's wrong, man? Just calm down. Just give him the fucking pearl." But no, he has to get arrogant.
2: And at one point, as he's being his conceited self, uh, the the museum director says, "You know, don't worry, Holmes. The pearl is going to be safe here. We have a great." Alarm system. Uh, Watson, just try to pick something up, and you see it. So Watson picks something up, and a really large <laughs> and a really loud uh, alarm goes off. This is a pretty good alarm system.
3: Pretty good. It's lots of lots of bumbling. There's gongs. There's broken shit going on. But the main
2: thing is, the museum director is correct. If no one actively sabotages the alarm system. It's fine. Yes. So then Holmes actively sabotages it. They go into the museum director's office and Holmes, who's the master of observation, doesn't miss a detail. He doesn't notice that the museum director's door is is, is like partially open. Yes. And a menacing looking man is
3: staring <laughs> in at them.
2: And listening in, intently to everything that's going on. And what happens next?
3: Uh, P- Holmes points out, look, behind this uh, screen, there are three wires. And well, that- well, let's, let's wait a second. Okay.
2: You're, you're jumping ahead.
3: What happens first? Tell us. Relish every moment.
2: Uh, Holmes says, oh, oh, look, here's a, a bowl that has round objects in it. Oops. And he knocks it over, and the round objects, <laughs> <laughs> this is a crucial point. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and you neglected it. <laughs> <laughs> So he says, oops, (laughs) in the round objects. I'm not even sure what they were.
3: I I couldn't tell you. They looked like kind of decayed uh, croquet balls.
2: (laughs) Yeah, maybe the first croquet balls ever. (laughs) Maybe. He says, oops. (laughs) And the bowl falls, and the things uh, start rolling everywhere. And... (laughs) Everybody else is scrambling to pick them up. And then Holmes slips behind a curtain. And this is where the alarm wires are. And he cuts them. And then he comes back and he says, Guess what? There's this great alarm system you have. It only works if no one cuts the wires. And I just did.
3: <laughs> Fucking agent of chaos.
2: I'm not even sure what point he was trying to prove.
3: I don't either. I, I thought, my dumbass thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. The real Holmes wouldn't do this, so this must be some other motherfucker in disguise who's who's causing chaos and, and Holmes is somewhere else and he's going to come like in. Like a clone? No, just like someone, like they could do some dumb movie thing of like, oh, he's wearing a mask, you know. Like but it's, like, like
2: Grimes like, and Perry Mason?
3: Yeah, like yeah Grimes style. Grimes style Holmes and he's, he's playing, you know, a character. And, uh...
2: Oh, there's a there's a knock on the door. Who is that? Oh, it looks like it's Anya Grimes. Oh
3: no! No!
2: No! What does that what does Anya Grimes have to say about all this?
3: Don't make me t- Don't make me <laughs> let
2: her in <laughs> Yes, what is it? It looks like you have something to say.
1: <laughs> there she is! No!
2: Are you gonna let her in or are you gonna make no. her stay outside?
1: I think she I
3: don't know. Oh she's coming in! <laughs> To- <laughs> <laughs> <Fucking honey grimes. laughs> oh, God, no! Fucking Ani Grimes. I think she's going to just stand silently in the corner today. <laughs> Don't you? Wouldn't that be better for us?
2: <laughs> but it's not an evil twin. It's no. the real Holmes. It's the real Holmes. And so there's this menacing person in the corner. We're like, oh. The alarm system isn't working and so what happens
3: he in, in a really in a really hilarious scene he snatches the pearl pushes past all these people smashes a window <laughs> with his chair and jumps out the window and i was thinking this could be in the trailer for the film like run don't walk to go see the de- pearl of death <laughs> and then and then basically, there's, like, like the, the movie doesn't do this, but it kind of, like, almost, you feel like it spiritually did. Uh, you know, like, wah, wah, wah. And then, like, everybody's making fun of Holmes. Like, you jackass. Like, you <laughs> fucked it up. You think you're the world's greatest detective. And he's just sitting there looking like, meh. And it's like, what is this? And <laughs> it's the most stupid thing that they could have him do. And one thing that was kind of, like, I always liked the Basil Rathbone Holmes because you feel like, unlike like some some depictions, it's like you know they kind of over over uh, over exert the like uh, social awkwardness thing, and he kind of more seems to, like yeah maybe a, kind of a bit snappy with Watson when he fucks everything up, but generally like I I'm looking out for people's <laughs> best interests here and like I give a shit about like some random person. I give a shit about some random person who's caught up in the middle of this crazy mess. And in this case, this decision for him to actively sabotage his employers <laughs> gets multiple people killed and he never reckons with it.
2: No.
3: So it's a it's a vast departure I felt from the character in a way that I still don't understand and I'm barely processing at this point. It's as if you put a Sherlock Grimes down in there. And that would have made more sense, and it would have been at least like, okay, well, everyone else fucked up in an understandable way. Sherlock didn't fuck up, but this is just—he's just like, I'm gonna fuck everything. Like, like you know, like if you're like me, you like you you like it's like I feel like sometimes I have a self-destructive tendency. You know what I mean? Where I'll be like, I know this is probably gonna backfire, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Fuck it, you know like usually it involves like eating too much sweets or something like I know I'm or to, cherries or, or cherries Zachary Taylor style. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck myself up and I know it's gonna suck, but I'm gonna do it. It's like you know uh, and I feel I almost feel like we saw Sherlock do that and it was frankly disturbing. <laughs> Did't need to see this pearl of death.
2: So like in universe do we assume like this is one of the times when like, He's on cocaine? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, like, overly confident.
3: He's manic. He's overly confident. He's making bizarre movements and cutting wires and doing all these things he's trying to do to just show how smart he is. Yeah, actually, that actually makes sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can host the best backyard barbecue
3: Holmes's coked up uh, afternoon though really kind of spirals from here.
2: What happens next?
3: They catch the dude who stole it, which is this guy Culvers, or whatever the fuck his name is. I related one to
2: the hamburger business. yeah,
3: exactly. he turned his life around at some point. and you know, they get they get him immediately. And then they have him in jail And Lestrade. Here's where Lestrade fucks up in a much more minor way uh, than Holmes. much less, much less bad. I just wanted to point out, you know, Holmes tells him, well, look, look through all his, like, lunch and stuff, because he may have left a message for somebody telling them what to do next. And so, uh, you know, Lestrade sits down with his little tea tray is looking through everything, and, you know, doesn't even bother to, like, rinse off the plates to see if anything's written on them. So then the message goes out to this whatever-the-fuck-his-name is, uh, his gang, and they start enacting their plot
0: to get the abortion. Yeah, okay,
2: I'll I'll admit that I I, I wasn't paying attention at this point. (laughs) Because there was a scene where uh, 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 there's a woman who's, like, cleaning dishes, and, like, one of the dishes is dirty, and she wipes it, and there's words on it. And I didn't know what was going on at that point.
3: (laughs) I thought at first that Lestrade was just sitting down for a nice little breakfast, so I was confused, too. It was one of those scenes that completely sends the, the whole plot screeching to a dead halt, and you have no idea what's going on.
2: But was it Lestrade who made the comment about chestnuts that rattled you?
3: Yeah, that was upsetting. He talks about pulling Holmes's chestnuts out of the fire, which sounded uh, kind of like some bizarre euphemism, some weird sexual joke, and I just, uh, we don't what, need that. What's
2: the, like, uh, His balls. His testicles.
3: Yes. And, like, do we need that? Pearl of death. <laughs> no. Maybe I. Maybe I'm getting the wrong idea. That's just what it sounded like.
2: Everything is balls to you. <laughs> you look at a couple of pillows, light <laughs> on the bed, you say, Kevin, those look like balls. What's wrong with you? You got, uh, I'll stop.
3: Yeah, you really need to stop before you hurt yourself, Kevin. I regret it. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should hang your head in shame, frankly. Oh, and then Watson goes out and assaults members of the Fourth Estate because newspaper reporters are reporting. Uh,
2: They're understandably saying Holmes really did something dumb.
3: He did something dumb. He didn't overestimate his, his adversary. He aided his adversary directly through his actions. And so Watson's, of course, going out and slugging reporters. It's just ridiculous.
2: Now, you're a reporter yourself. Have you ever been...
3: Punched by anybody? By
2: an elderly man who is upset that you've done such...
3: That just sounds disturbing when you say it that way.
2: (laughs) It's an elderly man who lives with another elderly man.
3: (laughs) An an elderly man who says things like, I'm as hungry as a bee on a flower when he's about to dig into his kippers. (laughs) I love these movies. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. He's like, yeah, they're all they're all bashing you because like, he fucked up pretty badly. He deserves to be bashed. There was no reason for him to do this. He could have just pulled the director aside and said, "You need to get some guards on those wires until you can redo the system to be a little bit more secure." That would have been fine. I,
2: I- was surprised there was no talk with charging him with something. <laughs> Brutal. Well, I mean... It's Sherlock a, Holmes
0: goes to jail!
2: You don't have to... Obviously, you wouldn't necessarily assume he did this in league with the person who was very noticeably listening. But at the very least, he destroyed museum property when he cut the wires.
3: Are they really... I don't know why they... Am I doing
2: that? He immobilized the security system. I don't know how much it would cost to repair something like that. Wouldn't
3: it have been easy also for the scriptwriter to just have Holmes be like hey, you guys should do something, this doesn't look that secure to me, and then be like, well, no, we're confident, and then somebody robs it in front of them, and he's like, well, I'm right. There's no reason to have it be his fault from a narrative perspective. He I, doesn't add I, anything, he doesn't I grapple think, with any guilt.
2: I think you can make a pretty convincing case that the creators of these films don't like Holmes or Watson. So maybe let, let's show let's show Holmes up. And they go out of their way to make Watson look as bad as possible. Yeah. We, we alluded, early, I think it's coming up in the movie, to the scene where suddenly the story stops. Uh, so we see that Watson can't even glue a newspaper article into a scrapbook. And you think, well, maybe because uh, it gets glued to his sleeve. There's like something on the other side of it he didn't notice before. Maybe it's his plot. Yeah. But it's not. Nope. It's just, let's just have a few minutes to make this guy look dumb.
3: Why do you think they, Why? what makes you think that they hate Holmes? Because I feel like he in most films doesn't come off as looking as bad as Watson. This one's pretty bad, though.
2: This one makes him look pretty bad. I want to know
3: who wrote this. So the guy who wrote this was Bertram Millhauser. He wrote a bunch of different stuff. Including a pre code Sherlock Holmes film starring Clive Brook. Something called Jimmy the Gent. <laughs> Nick Carter, master detective. He wrote, actually, Sherlock Holmes in Washington. Sherlock Holmes faces death. Spider woman. So he wrote a number of uh, the woman in green. So he wrote a couple of these. I don't remember in any of those other ones, uh, Holmes doing anything this insane. Maybe he was just having a bad day. And was like, I don't want this fucking Sherlock Holmes job. I want to be a real artiste like let's let me just write this and see what they say and then no one edited it.
2: it it it's just odd
3: it's 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 very odd it's 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 pretty funny but it's it's pretty kind of horrifying i will also note that uh there's a there's a beautiful there's a beautiful scene in here that i this movie i think keeps Keeps things rolling because while all of like these things that sh- screech the plot to a halt, um, they they do screech the plot to a halt, but they're often very bizarre and they're often pretty short. So a bunch of like small things keep happening, and it's just very jarring. You're jumping from thing to thing. Like for example, there's a scene where t- the t- Watson and Holmes are out for a walk. Like they go in, you know, in all the credits, walking around London, and a car pulls up full of two men, and those men yell out the window handsome and then open fire and for a second i thought they were getting like cat called like how men like lean out of cars and oh you're so beautiful i thought they were calling them handsome
2: <laughs> like, so you, thought it was handsome. like a, you thought it was like hey, a,
3: handsome <laughs> you
2: thought it was like a homophobic thing
3: no i thought it was like some sort of like they were cat calling them <laughs> i was very confused I guess they were referring to a handsome cab, but that's not how it sounded. And for a minute, I was like, what the fuck is this?
2: It's like they were reading your mind. Because anytime you see them on screen, you cry out, my han- handsome.
3: My handsome lads. No, isn't that bizarre? Like, I, just, and they
2: just, I, just, I wondered why you were laughing at that I was, scene. I
3: was cracking up. Like, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, that was weird. But it, it, it was stupid. And then, uh, and then you know, the scrapbooking scene. Uh, then, of course, the bad guy comes into disguise and tricks Watson. And then...
2: Uh, the bad guy comes in, he says, uh, uh, and Watson tries to guess his identity through deduction. And he gets it all totally wrong. Uh,
0: and which you, again, yeah. is, is
2: a way of, of shaming Watson. And since the whole point is that this guy is in disguise and wants to trick Watson, if Watson said, Oh, I think you're Mr. McCauver. Why doesn't I go? Oh yeah, you're right. I am Mr. McCauver. And by the way, here's because he says, I'm, I'm so grateful to Sherlock Holmes. I wanted to get him something special. So I got him this very rare and very expensive book. But by the way, this special gift, this incredibly expensive and valuable gift, this rare item, I completely destroyed the value of it by writing in it. And I want, I want Holmes to be the first one to see what I wrote. So, so don't open it.
3: Spoken like a true book collector.
2: So I kept on thinking, uh, oh, Holmes is going to realize that he shouldn't open the book once he sees it, hears as an inscription in it, because nobody would write in a book that valuable. But he doesn't. I thought
3: he was going to realize it wasn't uh, the right guy because he said, oh, he made a point of saying, like, like so many, you know, ministers of the faith, he's totally penniless. And it's like, why? Well, how do you get this really expensive book then? Um, but
2: and then then, I, No, neither. Then, then I, I think we thought that the book was going to, like, be a little bomb or yeah. something when you open it yeah. and have a little explosion. But instead, the book is rigged to shoot out a knife when someone opens yeah, these it.
3: these old movies love that shit. Everything's shooting out knives. You you know, in real life, that would be really like that would be. First of all, it could work and miss. Second of all, I just feel like that kind of shit's gonna possibly open by itself. I don't know. I mean, something with that many springs in it. I mean, I'm not. I'm no engineer. Maybe your dad would would know. But I just. That doesn't seem like a very foolproof way of killing and then I, I
2: also think that okay, you have the weight of the knife, you have the weight of the springs. that This would be a lot heavier than just a book. Yeah, You're gonna pick up something; this? it's gonna be like a twenty pounds. Like
3: maybe we just leave that alone. Maybe we just put that outside. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. And and as you said, it's like a weirdly mean spirit. Like I want to emphasize, and this is by no means a novel point. Many people have said this. Uh, in, it's
2: totally unoriginal. It's totally
3: unoriginal, but it deserves to be repeated because in the in the in the original source material, Holmes is I mean Holmes is like this genius, and Watson's like a guy who is a physician in a time where the where physicians were becoming professionalized, becoming more professionalized, and he's a successful physician. He's respected. He's a, a veteran, and you know a gentleman. And he's not, like, he's not, he's by no means as smart as Holmes, but then again, nobody is, and he's competent, loyal, and is able to bounce off ideas with Holmes in a way that Holmes finds helpful. And that's not because Watson's, like, I don't know, like, I mean, he's, like, you know, he's smart, he's, like, a, a smart, average guy, and, like... The, and the mo- these movies are just so gleeful about him being like the biggest dumbass in Britain. It's crazy. It's it's really wild that they took that direction.
2: And what does that say? If if this is Watson, what does it say that this is the person Holmes chose to be his best friend, his closest maybe, comrade?
3: Maybe just maybe it's like you you know you become roommates at some point and then you just kind of bro out. I mean, this Watson is very fun to watch. <laughs> He's, he's like a child. He's just doing whatever. He de- it doesn't. He has no responsibilities. He just likes to have fun. But he totally messes up everything
2: Holmes tries to do.
3: Yeah, I know. But I kind of I do find their relationship slightly endearing, it, nonetheless. Even though I think it's ridiculous and and stupid and badly written, I just I I don't know what that is. I just am like, <laughs> it makes me smile. It's really stupid. Uh, I can't defend it, and it doesn't
2: completely indefensible
3: it's indefensible it makes
2: a mockery of the original source material yeah
3: i don't i just also i don't know why they did it it just it didn't have to be this way um i i think it says more about the uh the sensibilities perhaps of the people who created the series or like oh we have to have a really a a ridiculous amount of quote-unquote comedic relief to get people interested you know have it all basically
2: so do you think that's true? Like when you you're a journalist, when you like write a news newspaper story, do you like in the middle of it say, "Hey, knock knock," or here's a gag?
3: <laughs> no, because I'm I'm that that's a totally different medium. But in in the 1940s, maybe they felt like we gotta we gotta razzle dazzle and we gotta gotta get Nigel Bruce in here and he's, he's gonna buffoon it up, you know. And and that maybe they felt that that was a necessary, necessary addition to make them more fun. And you know, and the movies do seem to have be tr- have ha- be trying to have it all in the sense that like they're you know political thrillers slash murder mystery slash ridiculous buddy comedy thing with you know like, like they just kind of tr- seem to try to cram in a lot <laughs> into an hour pretty much. And there's uh, and there's still like half of it is filler.
2: <laughs> yes, and there's like good material there. Uh, one of the bad guys here is a vicious killer played by Rondo Hatton. We we'll would love to have seen maybe five minutes more with him instead of that scrapbooking scene.
3: Let's talk about Rondo. Okay, the scrapbooking scene was delightful, but they could take out the thing with the Lestrade looking at some guy's old lunch. I think...
2: But are we getting, maybe we shouldn't talk about Rondo Hatton yet, but we have to go okay. to the next crime scene. Yeah,
3: and then we could talk about Rondo Hatton, because I had some problems with that.
2: <laughs> so the next crime scene, uh, a woman, an older woman, has been brutally murdered, and they talk with her in the room where her sister... They did not talk
3: with her. She's dead.
2: So a woman has been brutally murdered, and her sister is there in the room with her sister's fresh corpse. It's and, awful. And they're, like, trying to chat it up with her.
3: Yeah, it's awful. They have, I mean, I guess they just didn't want to spend money on more sets of, like, a downtown police station. But I was like, And Jesus.
2: oddly enough, in that scene in the background, there was a picture of Lincoln. <laughs>
3: The real culprit is uh, John Wilkes Booth. He survived and is out to get revenge on all the British Lincoln fans.
2: Let's <laughs> well, see, oh, this woman, she died, her back was broken. It's like, oh, you know the person who breaks people's backs when they kills them? Rondo Hatton.
3: Well, he escaped prison a few years ago, but we assumed he died. It's like, okay, well, maybe not. Because <laughs> some other dudes in the earlier in the movie it got his back broken, so it's obviously a problem, and... This man is not exactly an inconspicuous person.
2: So do you want to go on your Rondo Hatton bit?
3: Okay, so this this man uh this man, Rondo Hatton, in real life, he was a journalist, which is really cool. And he had a uh basically a growth hormone issue called acromegaly. And that caused his features to kind of, I guess, expand and kind of and they and they basically he had a career, essentially, in horror films because because of the way he looked, essentially. And I don't know. That just made me feel really sad because, like, he's never playing... It seems like he's never playing a good guy. He's just always, like, this monster just because he had this debilitating issue, essentially. That just made me sad. I mean it's, it's, like, But, like, they always, in these old films, they always... Uh, and this is one of those things that takes me out of old films. They always... Uh, link disability of some sort with evil, you know, like like that's just awful.
2: <laughs> Have you ever seen the Todd Browning film Freaks? No, we should watch that sometime.
3: What's that about?
2: It's about people uh, who are who are different.
3: Yeah, I just I did just so, I don't know something about it, in this just made me kind of sad that he that was his whole thing. They'd come in and be the scary guy, and everyone would be like, "Oh, he's scary, he's bad," and it's just like. I don't know. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he got work. Obviously, in Hollywood, you know, seems like that was uh, get glad he was getting those jobs. But it just just felt a little mean. Like that, he's not wearing a mask. That's just the way his face looks. Yeah. And to me, he didn't look that weird. I mean, just he looked like he had that 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 a uh, hormone disorder essentially. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when they finally show him, you're supposed to be like, oh, my God. And it's like, okay, just <laughs> whatever. He's very tall. So That's my rant.
2: It's a fine rant. That's my
3: PC rant for the day. I just, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. But, yeah, he's the uh, the Hoxton Creeper. That's what they call him. And they, yeah. They, also, in this, he's not just a, an assassin and a murderer, but he's basically also portrayed as, like, he doesn't really talk. He's almost an animal. You know, and it's like, oh, that's kind of dehumanizing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like that. Um, although, had they written a better bad guy part for him, I think that could have been more fun.
2: Yeah, like maybe cut out that scrapbooking scene, flesh out this character, a flesh bit more. him
3: out, make him a make him a person instead of just a monster. You know, it, it's it's fine if he's using his strength to break backs, but you know, maybe maybe there's more to him than just uh,
2: being a backbreaker. Being a
3: backbreaker, exactly.
2: So then Holmes uh, figures it out that what, what's been going on is that at some point the guy who stole it before he, he was captured, he went into the little workshop of a sculptor. The sculptor happened to be preparing six uh, plaster busts of Napoleon. And so this this uh, they, they hid the pearl in one of the busts and they didn't know which one. So they're doing they're going around and killing everybody who bought the bust of Napoleon, which might be a good policy anyway. <laughs> and then breaking them to see which one had the pearl. And so far they hadn't found that one. Uh, and Holmes reveals that he figured this out by making Watson go through a little charade.
3: Yeah, that was upsetting.
2: He says, okay, Watson, I want you to come in this room. I want you to look around.
3: Spin around. Do a handstand.
2: I want you to walk over to these other plaster things. I want you to take something out of your pocket and use your finger, Watson. Use it to quickly push it into the the statue. It was
3: like a hypnosis thing, you know? It was was bizarre. It was like a power play. It was upsetting to watch. They could have cut this, too.
2: (laughs) And so then they they say, okay, well, the, the last one... The last <clears throat> bust of Napoleon was uh, purchased by a doctor. Let's go to this doctor's house. And then we see somebody purporting to be the doctor
3: doing surgery
2: at his house. <laughs>
3: And they obviously just wanted him to be a doctor so that person could be wearing a surgical mask so you can't see all of his face. So they, then, oh, it's Basil Rathbone because you know it's Basil Rathbone because he's doing that little like, oh, hello, I'm, do- I'm I'm, doing surgery right now at, you know, 10 p.m. on a Friday night at my house. I mean, what the
2: fuck? Yeah, one thing they could do is just have him be any other profession and just cut out that clergyman disguise at the beginning of the picture. Have you know with the Incredible Hulk they used to allow two Hulk outs. Maybe in a Holmes film, let's allow one Holmes disguise. Yeah,
3: that's it. That's your that's your allowance because you're they're abusing it.
2: You don't need to have him in a mask. This is the first time we've seen him in disguise. Exactly. Or if, if if Holmes isn't such a glory hog, he could have Lestrade or some anonymous member of the police force pose as the Doctor.
3: Agreed. Which would make more sense because then there could be backup in the room waiting so the situation doesn't get out of control. So there's no risk of broken backs and bric-a-back as the uh, bric-a-brac. Broken brack back
2: Jesus Broken Christ. backs
3: and bric-a-brac, as, uh, as the newspapers said. It's a great phrase.
2: So then uh the Giles Montgomery Culverson, or whatever his name <laughs> is, he comes in with a gun to get the last bust. Uh, Holmes is able to catch him unawares and pull a gun on him and get Giles to drop his gun. And, and then Holmes starts doing the classic Holmes move yeah, of making an endless speech. He says, oh, you know, Giles, I, I don't mind killing you at all, sir. I don't mind it a bit because you deserve it. You deserve it all oh, because you're not a nice fellow at all. You're not a nice fellow, Giles. That's why it won't bother me. It won't bother me a bit. He just goes He's on. He's like
3: waiting for something to happen.
2: And then what happens is Giles takes the the gun away from Holmes and (laughs) pulls the gun on Holmes and says, you know what? I'm going to kill you. But before I do, I'm going to call in the the creeper. And the the creeper comes in and uh, he says, okay, creeper, the real doctor is upstairs. Why don't you go up and kill him while I'm down here killing Holmes? And Holmes says, oh, I think the creeper liked this woman. I'm going to make loud comments about how <laughs> Giles is, is responsible for this woman's going to die. And so obviously, Holmes is trying to manipulate the creeper into killing Giles. And so he says, oh, yes, it's a terrible thing you've done by putting this woman in harm's way. She's going to die all because of you. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. So why, why doesn't Giles just shoot him? I
3: don't know, because he's going to shoot him anyway. And second of all, I don't really get why this even worked on the Creeper. Holmes said the Creeper's sane. He's not a madman earlier in the film. And uh, he is obsessed with this woman, Naomi, who's the bad lady in it. And she is under arrest for murder, so I guess she could be executed. But Holmes doesn't say anything to imply that it's directly Giles' fault. I thought he was going to go the route of saying, like, you know, we know that you set her up to take the fall. That would have made more sense from the, the pissing the creeper off perspective. But he's basically, like, she had the misfortune to get captured during this. That's it. You'd think that the creeper would maybe more be more motivated to go and strangle the guards at jail so that he could get her out as opposed to immediately lashing out at his employer, who, in fairness, is is not necessarily to blame about his about her uh, So you're like a Giles Culverson apologist. I, 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 I think people should reassess... What he was trying to do here. I just think <laughs> a more nuanced perspective is uh, is welcome, in my
0: view.
2: So the creeper comes and kills Giles, even though Giles is armed. Yeah. And and. <laughs> and then
3: a weird scene happens.
2: Why don't you describe it? <laughs>
3: Basically, Holmes freaking out as... What's the guy's name? Hon- Rondo?
2: Rondo Hotton.
3: Rondo Hotton is is walking towards him very slowly with his arms outstretched like, Ooh, I'm going to get you. And Holmes is like, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me and then shoots him. And then everyone comes in and is like, Oh okay, he's dead and and that's it, folks.
2: So basically Holmes engineered a situation where at one point he has a gun on a bad guy and the bad guy's accomplice. But he engineers a situation where the bad guy, Giles, and the creeper both get killed. Yes. And neither one of those deaths is really necessary.
3: It's not satisfying. Sometimes in movies, I get frustrated because if, you know, a character is doing something so horrible or it's a situation where they keep on getting out and keep on killing a bunch of people, at some point it's like, why don't you just kill them? You know, I mean, because we're talking about fiction. it, It doesn't matter. And in the rules of this universe, basically, you're sparing a bunch of innocent lives at this point. But, uh This was not one of those times where I was like, oh, yeah, better better kill them both. It was just kind of like, all right, like, you probably could have handled this better if the police had come in, you know, and, like, arrested everybody and had a trial.
2: Why did we need to have Holmes do this undercover work himself?
3: I'm going to tell you something. I, I just popped into my head a very dark thought.
2: Please share it.
3: Did he kill these men because he wanted to? He wanted to not have them be questioned by police. Maybe he wasn't on the Borgia Pearl theft.
2: That would explain a few things. That would
3: explain a few things. Hate to say it about our guy, but uh, Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes is not coming out of this this oyster unscathed.
2: (laughs) So then the bad guys are dead. The Pearl's been recovered. What does Holmes do as the movie finally? Well, draws- you
3: know, it's the end of a Basil Rathbone Holmes film, so he's got to get up and give his little speech about whatever the general topic of the movie is. In this case, pearls. So he's like the bright and shining pearl of liberty and justice will always stand for, you know, the freedom of man, and you know, the pearls are the symbol of the uh, beauty of. Uh, but you know, they're got to hard times and that's how it is.
2: Uh- <laughs> And the music swells and we fade out. Yeah.
3: And you were, were mesmerized. You had complimented the movie earlier because it was a shot of a light over Baker Street that almost looked like a pearl. And you're like, that's kind of evocative. And then they sh- are end on this weird shot of uh, like the mirror shot of like Holmes and Watson looking at each other with the pearl in between them. And it's kind of like, okay.
2: <laughs> it was really, it was quite awkward. It was It
3: was a dumb film. But it was so good. I love this one. Why do you think this one we found so entertaining when it was obviously bad and poorly done? Cause we're dumb. I mean, I guess that's the answer. We're I think dumb that's the idiots. Answer. We're dumb idiots and we'll take any slop they give us. <laughs> I guess that's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Suddenly things took a bleak turn.
3: Am I right? There's no redeeming factors in this case. In this So, in this so you think
2: the fact that we derive any enjoyment from this film at all is is an indictment when, against us as people as
3: people and when you describe it all it's not like you're saying oh but there's a really good ex there's nothing this is absolutely this is totally irredeemable this is like you're looking at the rubble of like a demolished house and being like let's live here the, I, I don't even know what to say to make this all i can say is i found it funny
2: <laughs> the hero makes mistakes that kill people uh, he then, at the end, engineers a situation <coughs> that results in the death of two bad guys. Needlessly. you, your, found your favorite, your, fa- your favorite character, your favorite character punches out a reporter <laughs> who's just trying to do his job. Arnoldo, you'd be the first one to condemn that.
3: I'm telling you, Kevin, there's something about this that just delighted me. I don't know why, but I'm going to tell you something. You were hooting and hollering during the whole thing, too. So I think you were delighted, too. You're not above it all. You're down on the seabed right with me. So, what did you like about it? What made you so tickled?
2: It wasn't dull.
3: It was not dull.
2: (laughs) Except the beginning.
3: Yeah, the beginning was dull. That was that. It was like, oh, come on. Just come on
2: that whole sequence of the, the where uh there's a guy guarding of the pearl and he's on ship and he gets distracted and the lady comes in and steals the pearl we didn't need
3: that yeah no, we did not need that fuck that but otherwise I think it to me I think it was the, the the shortness of a lot of these sequences they they lasted long enough to be funny but not so long that it stopped being funny and it, it was just kind of boom boom weird 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 done and that was it. <laughs> when there's like a long sequence of like Holmes playing a bridge game with two bad guys on a ship, that's where you're kind of losing me. Like, okay, we got it. We got it. Just move on. This understood. Yeah. Maybe we want to see, uh, Watson doing this scrapbook for a few minutes, but then we're done. We, that's what we need. Maybe we want to see Holmes yelling at Watson in a porcelain factory and making him do all sorts of weird shit. But you know, then we're moving on. We're just going to keep hopping along. Any final thoughts?
2: I, 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 when we release these, we always cut out the parts where we embarrass ourselves the most. So I don't know what the actual length of this episode is going to be once we cut out all the embarrassing things. But this raw conversation has lasted longer than the film itself.
3: Oh, Jesus. How long?
2: Three hours. No. <laughs> you found that credible. An hour and 12 minutes. Jesus Christ. I remember there was a Nancy Drew episode we talked about once for like three hours. Yeah,
3: let's not talk about that ever again. <laughs> looking looking somberly in the
2: distance.
3: <laughs> that was a whole mess.
2: And it was like the night before you had something important to do. I know. Right and early.
3: It's like, Why did you look like shit in that? Well... <laughs> Because I make bad, reckless choices just like Sherlock Holmes in this And you film. didn't
2: look like shit in it. You've I never looked look like shit in your I, life. I, I did. You've never looked like oh, shit in very, your life. You're
3: very sweet. I love you very much. But I could have looked better than that. <laughs> so are we done? Yeah, we're done. All right. For fans of this series who have uh, an appropriate appreciation of the absurd, I would say this movie is a pearl of great price.
2: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
3: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
2: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.